So when he asked me to fill in, I was praying a lot about what I would speak about, what I would teach on, and the Lord made it evident, really clear to me, that he wanted me to talk about Christ being preeminent. So most of the text I'm going to go through today is going to be in the book of Colossians. So there's not really an introduction, I'm just going to jump right into it. So if you could turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to pick in from verse 1. And scripture says, If then you were raised with Christ, pause, is Apostle Paul talking to everyone? I'm asking a question. Is he talking to everyone? If you look in the scripture, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, he's only talking to the peoples that have been converted, if you like, the believers, those that understand that their old man has died and they've now been made alive in him. He's talking to the people that has been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, his son being Christ Jesus. So, the question I present to you today is, have you been raised with Christ? Paul explains in Romans 6, you know what, we could turn there. If you keep your hands in Colossians and you turn to Romans 6, please, 8 and 11. I want to ask a favor, if someone from, with a loud voice could read out that scripture for me. Romans chapter 6. Verses 8 to 11. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Amen. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Amen. Amen. So, have you been raised with Christ? To really understand this concept, I'm going to ask you another set of questions, which I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to really sit down and contemplate upon your answers. So, the first question is, do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that you've openly rebelled against God? Scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, 8, says that, if we say we have no sin, then we're liars and the truth is not in us. So you need to understand that we've offended and openly rebelled against the God of the universe, the God of the Bible. The second question I would present to you is, do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, sent down as a, as a wrath, exorbitant sacrifice for your sins? Understanding that placing faith in Christ, repenting and believing in the gospel, you get, on his, you get his righteousness and he takes upon your sins. So in a nutshell, I'm asking, do you believe that Christ was crucified for your sin, for your rebellion, and raised again on the third day? And if you were to answer yes, <laughs> like Shirley did, you would understand what our brother just read in Romans. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So understanding that you've been raised with Christ, understanding that he's, he's been crucified for your sin, that his righteousness has been imputed onto you, and that he's taken your sins, you now ought to live a life that is dead to sin. Not just dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Which brings me to my final and third question. Do you have a genuine affection and desire for God? I'm going to say that again. Do you have a genuine affection and desire for God? Just like in the songs um, our brother Tim was um, singing, the Bible talks about 
we, we, were, we were children of wrath. That, that, was our, that was our formal nature. Paul tells us in Romans that there's no one that seeks after God. So a big sign that shows you've been raised with Christ is, is that desire within to seek him. Not just to know him, but to seek him. So, Apostle Paul, I really like the way Apostle Paul teaches and writes his epistles because he tends to write, write about the nature and character of God, then he moves into application. So going back to our primary text, Colossians 3, 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. The Bible makes it really clear where our eyes should be set towards if we claim to be raised with Christ. Paul points out that now that we've died to sin, now that we've been raised with him, now we've been brought into this newness of life, Christ is the goal, Christ is the pursuit. We're instructed to seek the things that are above. What we're after is Christ, to, to know him, to walk with him, to have him mold us, to have him shape us. So that's why Paul spent so much time illustrating who Christ was, his nature, his whole deity within the first two chapters of Colossians. So if you can turn back one or two pages, depending on how big or small your Bible is, I'm going to read from Colossians 1, verses 15. We're going to be in a lot of scripture today, and I know PT wanted me to say this, so I'm going to say this now. Don't just believe me, don't just believe it to be true. Let the Bible always have the final authority and the final say. So I'm going to pick it up from verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from the ESV version because I really like the way it reads. So, you all ready? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn meaning a, a portrayal of his title, responsibility or power, and not an indication that Christ is a, a creation like us. So, if you look at the, I'll give you an example. The story of Esau and Jacob, Esau being the older brother, sold his birthright. Um, to Jacob, his younger brother. Um, picking up in 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, then everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent meaning on top, surpassing all, nothing else above him, nothing else to get, nothing else to gain, nothing else to seek. Jesus is enough. So another question I would ask you, is Christ preeminent in your life? And to really understand, to really, to really understand the statement, is Christ preeminent in your life? I'm going to read a passage from the Old Testament. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read there. I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 12. And to me, when I read the scripture, this is like one of the most graphic scriptures that I've ever, ever read. And you'll understand what I mean when I read. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. So you've got Jeremiah the prof prophet proclaiming to the people what the Lord is saying. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, at what? For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, meaning that we've made God a secondary thought, at best, I might even add. That he's not the primary goal in our lives. He, he's been forsaken. He's not our pursuit. He's not our goal. And, and the scary thing about this verse is that we can fool ourselves by walking and 
acting in Christian acts and duties, but still carrying a lifestyle of where we've forsaken him. So when Christ doesn't become the focal point, when he doesn't become the primary goal, when he's not what we're seeking, we try to satisfy ourselves by something else. And the scripture says it's dust. Read the scriptures. It says, Therefore they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And what is a cistern? I might dare say, anything you put your hope in which isn't Christ. Anything or anyone where your identity comes from that isn't Christ. I want to say that again. A broken cistern is anything you put your hope in which isn't Christ. So to paint a picture of what I'm trying to say, I'm going to say something to you which is quite heavy on the ears. Some of you have never heard this before. Some of you probably have, but haven't heard it in a long time. You are going to die. 10 out of 10 people die. The Bible says that our days are numbered. I'm not just saying this to make you sad or to to lessen the mood. I've got a point to this, so track with me. A couple of weeks ago, sorry. A couple of weeks ago, I was with my brother Anthony um, in Brick Lane and we was just basically doing a James 5.16 where we was just encouraging each other and, and sharing scripture. And it came to a point where we started to share each other's testimonies. And the part of my testimony that I decided to share with him was um, certain events that God had put in my life to show me his sovereignty, to show me, to make me aware of my sin, to make me aware of how small and limited I am. So... I'm going to tell it to you. Um, this was a couple of years ago. This is when I was 18 and I was studying at the time. I was studying at the University of Hertfordshire. And I was in London at the time with four of my friends. And we were driving from London to Hertfordshire. So there was four of us. I was riding shotgun. Sorry, I was riding in the front passenger seat. <laughs> Need to remember audience. And <laughs> my cousin was sitting behind me and my boy was sitting behind the driver. And it was about... Three four o'clock in three or four o'clock in the morning was coming back from London from from a social event. We weren't drunk, but it was a little bit tipsy. Um, it was raining, and basically the driver wanted to scare my cousin, so he kept on swerving lanes and jerking the um, steering wheel. And was on the A11 going about 50, 50 mile an hour, miles an hour, and we approached the junction, and the junction had a massive roundabout um, in the in the middle, and basically. We had backspin on the tire, so you lost control of the car, and we clipped the roundabout. And basically, the car was in a vertical position, and all our heads were looking towards the dark blue sky. And then the car landed back down the roundabout and span back around onto the motorway, but we span around onto oncoming traffic. And remember, I said it was about four, three, four o'clock in the morning, so the only vehicles that are on the road at that time are your trucks and your freight lorries, you know, your lorries that are taking wholesale foods to their various markets, so your Asda's, your Morrison's, your Sainsbury's and whatnot. So, span on oncoming traffic, both, both back tyres are gone, flat, so we're not moving. And I'm riding in the, pa- I'm sitting in the passenger seat, so I'm just seeing a ray of headlights coming towards me. This is happening really quickly, but in my mind it's all slow, I have, I'm, I'm thinking. And in my head I'm thinking, is this how I'm going to die? I begin to realize that I wasn't super, I wasn't, I wasn't a superhuman, I wasn't, I wasn't a mortal, I was, I was just a mortal man. I began to realize that there's only so much control I have in my circumstances. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that when I got saved, the Lord allowed me to look back at the events that he's taken. Uh, let me even finish the testimony. Obviously, we, we didn't die. 
Lord, Lord, perform the miracle. Even in the time where we were pagans and we wasn't seeking after him, his hand was on us and basically um, the vehicles split on both lanes. We was on the middle lane and they basically split. And we're students at the time, so we're not driving a 4 by 4 We're a little hatchback car. can't remember. I think it's like a Nissan or something. Little car. So basically... The, 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 the trucks and the, and the freight lorries are going past and the car is shaking from the speed that they're going. And basically for 10 minutes there was no cars on the motorway so I was able to get out of the car and push the car into the hard shoulder and for an AA. But the reason why I'm telling you this is when I got saved the Lord made me sit down and really meditate upon his grace and what he had done for me. And at that point I really began to understand what King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastic 7 and I'm going to read it to you. He says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Meaning that is a wiser man that understands that he's going to die sooner than he thinks and begins to take the things of God seriously. I'm going to say that again. It's a wiser man who realizes that he's going to die sooner than he thinks and begins to take the things of God seriously. So looking back at the term broken system, if you're using Jesus to get something else when you're not when you, if you're using Jesus to get something else and he's not the goal and you end up not receiving that thing you, you, begin, you begin to get bitter and angry towards God because you're, you're, you're going after something God hasn't promised you to begin with so you feel betrayed at a promise that you made yourself does that make sense? So it all goes back to what I was saying. Is Christ preeminent? Is he on top? Does he surpass all? Is Jesus enough? So let me outline a few examples to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to get across. I'll put down. If your heart desires restoration in your marriage or healing or financial breakthrough or whatever it is, and your heart motive, your heart motive is to follow Jesus because you want those issues provided for, you want those issues dealt with. So... I'm going to love Jesus because he's going to get me through this job situation or I'm going to love Jesus because he's going to find me a, a good wife or a, a good husband or none of these things have been guaranteed to you. So when you fool yourself and you don't understand that Christ is the goal and the gospel is that you being dead in your trespasses, Christ has granted you this newness of life and has reconciled you to your maker, God. And not everything will work out perfectly you, you set yourself up to feel betrayed by God, but you haven't been. He, he's, he's given you all that you need and, and all that he's promised himself. Now, don't get me wrong. Can God restore your marriage? Can God heal you? Of course he can. Should you ask for those things? Should you pray for those things? Absolutely. Why not? But if he doesn't provide them, should you get angry and bitter at him? No. You need to understand that God sees all. That's what we're saying. God sees all. God knows all. He understands all. He's much more big than our thoughts. Whereas we're limited, we're, we're very small. And dare I say, I know I offended some people by telling them that they're going to die. We're not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> so, going back to our primary text, um, Colossians 3 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So now that we've been raised with Christ, we're instructed to seek the things above. Not only seek the things above, but to what? Set our minds there too. 
So the question is, how are you going about that? How are you setting your mind on things above? Um, so I'm going to outline a few tools that, as Christians, we should be using to, to set our minds on things above. So you can write this down if you want. The first one, scripture. I hope you would think I would start there. His Bible, um, the Bible, his word. Scripture. Second Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. Some scriptures say inspired. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. So are you reading his word? Romans 12, 2 tells us that we should renew our mind daily. So we're not, we don't, we don't, check me, we don't read the Bible like it's a newspaper. You know, we, we don't rush through it. It's not a race. We, we, we want to read, we want to read, we want to meditate, we want to we chew upon it. Other tools that you'd use, prayer, fellowship, rest, meditation, and not meditation like, as you see in the world, as yoga and that, but meditating on his word. See, the, the role of meditation in the, in the Western and Eastern world is more or less emptying yourself out, where biblical meditation is filling yourself with his word. Um, if you look in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, it talks a lot about meditation, um, especially verse 8, it says, Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worth of praise, think about these things. So, our primary text of Colossians doesn't just tell us where we should set our mind, but it tells us not we sh- what we should not be doing as well. So, um, chapter 2, I mean, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on the things, not on things on the earth. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, I don't know how many of you were here um, three Sundays ago when PT was preaching and he used, um, he took an analogy from Psalm 73. I'm going to read it first before I use this analogy. Psalm 73. And I know most of y'all have the New King James Version, but I'm going to read it from the ESV because, again, I really like the way it reads. So, Psalms 73. Y'all ready? I want to read chapter, verse 1, sorry. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they had no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their heart overflows with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They have set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there any knowledge in the Most High? Because these are the wicked, Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, 
I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me as a worrisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Saints, before I explain what's going on in, 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 in the Psalms, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the analogy that, that P.T. gave, and he was talking about, he gave the analogy of um, people in an airplane, in an aircraft about to jet off, about to fly away somewhere, and basically there was a storm. And knowing P.T., he's very animated with his descriptions, but don't expect that from me, I'm, I'm very reserved, so <laughs> there's not going to be any high voices and different voices. So basically, <laughs> basically he was saying, there's people in the aircraft, and they're about to, about to go on the, on the, what's it called? Runway, sorry, yeah. And it's raining, it's grey, there's thunderstorms, it's, it's cold, it's basically like a normal day in London. Yeah, normal day in London. So, you know, the plane ta- plane's taking off, and because of the wind, because of the storms, because of the thunder and the lightning, there's a, there's a lot of turbulence. So, you know, everyone's panicking. There's a lot of turbulence. And a few minutes later, they break through the cloud. And when they break through the cloud, they, they, see, they see the blue sky. They see sunshine. There's a cool breeze. There's no more thunders. There's no more lightning. And basically, what he was trying to get across is that the people on the plane now have a different perspective from the people that are in London, where it's all raining and it's cold and everything's dark. They have a different perspective. They have a different view. They, they see this blue sky. They see everything that's calm. And my point to get to you is, they have, as Christians, we need to, the Bible says, set our minds on things above. Seek the things above, because we need to, we need to have an eternal perspective and not a temporary view. So, looking back at the Psalms, um, I can't pronounce his name. It begins with A, so we'll call him Mr. A. So, Mr. A, Mr. A was seeking the things that are above, but his mind wasn't set, wasn't set there. So he was walking around and he was seeing, he was seeing what the wicked was happening. He was seeing what was happening with the, with the, with the pagans, with the heathen. He was walking around. Let's bring it down to our terms. So, Anthony is working, working in a firm, let's say, working in J.P. Morgan. And, you know, He's the only Christian there, and everyone there is just a heathen, just blaspheming, just don't want to know God, not seeking after him. It's just, everyone's just bitter against God, and he's the only one that's seeking after him. But he hasn't set his mind there, so he's, he's looking at what, he's looking at, the, he's looking at the heathen, he's looking at the evil dealers, and, and what does it say in the scriptures that he's seen the, 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 the evil people get richer? You know, and then something happens to, to Anthony. You know, there's someone in his family that falls sick and he sees the people, the, the heathens, all of them are in good health. And he's thinking, Lord, what's going on? We, we see in the scripture, Asap says, um, what verse is it? He says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. So he's beginning to complain like, Lord, I'm the only one that's seeking for you. I'm the only one that's... that's I'm the only one that's keeping your ordinances and these people are heathens. They, they don't want to know you and they're getting rich. They're healthy. What's going on? But then if you read, if you read verse 17 or 16 to 17, if all of you read it out loud. You see that? He went into the sanctuary, 
He began to set his mind on heavenly things, remembering that everything on this earth is temporary and that as Christians we have an eternal perspective. We're looking from a, a, a different perspective than what everyone else on earth is looking at. So he went into the sanctuary and what he discerned their end. So if you turn quickly to Philippians 3, I'm, I'm going to show you what happens to people that, that tend to set their mind on, on, on earthly things. So it should, it, it, it's just a couple of pages after, after Colossians, before Colossians, sorry. Philippians chapter 3, and if someone could read it as well. Philippians chapter 3, 18 to 21. You see that? So as Christians, we need to remember where our citizenship is. If we believe we've been raised with Christ, if we believe that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, if we believe we've been raised with him, that we now die to our sins and we're, we're alive to God in Christ Jesus, we need to have this view of this eternal perspective of seeking the things above, setting our minds there. And to be honest, as Christians, I'm speaking to myself as well, we, we fail at this miserably. You know, it's like an emotional roller coaster. At times, we're like, yep, I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to be seeking the things above. And then we don't carry out the tools that I listed out of keeping ourselves in scripture, praying, fellowship, meditating upon the word. And what happens? We become like Mr. A, and we begin to look at the heathen, begin to look at the people in the world. So we're seeing, we're seeing these pop stars, we're seeing these rappers just talking nonsense and getting rich while you're there struggling and you're thinking, Lord, what's going on? An example I could give personally myself is when I was, this was last Wednesday, and every time after service we tend to do a walkthrough through Candom and just let the Lord lead, and we, we kind of reach out to people in Candom, and I was speaking to um, Jenny and Naomi, and I was telling them about my job situation, and I was like, so the Lord's carrying me through um, university, and I, and I graduated in, in economics, getting the first, and most people in my course, they failed or they just passed and most of the people weren't saved and then I was telling I was telling Naomi how I was frustrated kind of, I was like I've, I've got the highest grade possible and these big companies are shutting the doors to me and the people that, that failed miserably that don't know you, they're getting, they're getting jobs like this and then Naomi gave me a verse in Proverbs I can't remember but she was talking about um, not being in the midst of people that that don't serve you. And it's, it's just there again, is that I, I, I lack to, to set my minds on heavenly things. I began to, to look at the temporary only. So, um, going back to our initial text, I don't understand why PT takes like five hours to go through four verses. <laughs> <laughs> um, here we go. Colossian, Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. 
for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I love Paul for putting that, that verse there. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, Paul reminds us that we forget this all the time as Christians that no matter how long you've been following him, no, no matter how long you've been pursuing the Lord, your life is hidden with Christ. Saints, don't forget that you've been justified, not by your own works, not by how well you did it, but we've been justified by Christ alone. Um, I believe in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to read. I'm going to read it from verse one to, to nine because it's just a beautiful verse. It says, "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins." Sorry, are you lost in Ephesians. Yeah. yeah. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit. Of that is now in the that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him see it with him and see it with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus you see that it says that we've been made alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him see it in heavenly places see you need that's why Paul preached the gospel to people that already heard the gospel that's why he loved preaching the gospel to to believers, the people that already heard the gospel, because as Christians we tend to forget that it's, it's, it's by his grace alone. It's by his grace alone that we've, that we've attained this. And, and listen, this is why a big mark of Christian maturity is that when you stumble and fall, you, you run to God and it results into more worship, whereas a lack of immaturity is that when you stumble and fall, you run away from God and you try to clean and fix yourself up. So it creates this type of weird relationship, whereas... In the times where you know you're in your high, you're loving God, but when you stumble and you fall, you're in this you're in this dark and, and, and shallow moments because you're running away trying to fix yourself up. And scripture says that even our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So while the state of immaturity creates this strange relationship, the, the act of Christian maturity shows you that I can't believe I failed him again. I, I, I can't believe I can't believe I stumbled again, but how good is he that he still loves me? How good, is, how good is it that he would still call me his own? I didn't even know Tim was going to sing the songs that he sang, but most of the songs he sang is, is relating to what I'm saying. You know, how good is he that he would still call me his own? And this, this mentality leads ultimately to more worship and, and, and greater intimacy with God, and we're, and we're more aware of his love. So... Just to go back to what I was saying, to, to, to recap on the, the questions, is are you raised up with Christ? If so, is there a seriousness in you about the things of God? So are, are, are you pursuing him? Is there, is there a hunger? Is there a desire within you? Are, are you keeping your mind set above heavenly things? Are you seeking the things above where Christ is? And again, I ask you, if you say yes, if so, how are you going about that? It's, for, it's so easy for Christians to say, yes, I'm, my mind is set on the things above. 
I'm seeking the things above, but how are you doing so? Beside a Wednesday and a, and a Sunday, what, you, what else are you doing within the week? You know, if you're not reading scripture, if you're not among um, the saints, fellowshipping, if you're not meditating upon the word, you really got to sit down and, and do some cross-examination whether, whether you, 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 you truly are raised up with Christ. So, really my primary message to you is Christ and his preeminence. Knowing that he's on top, knowing that he surpasses all. Knowing that there's nothing else to get, knowing, else there's, knowing that there's nothing else to gain. Are we going to live this lifestyle where we, we, look, we look at the world from an eternal perspective? Where our eyes are not fixed on the temporary things. That we wouldn't be like Mr. A at times just looking at what the, what, the, what the heathen are achieving but would keep our eyes set towards God like Paul would say pressing towards the mark for the upward calling you know as Christians we need to be showing the world that we walk in this different mentality that they will, they will look at us differently that's why, that's why we, can, we, can, we can have joy in the times where the world will think why are you, why are you so joyful why, why are you so joyful I would be in pain this is this what happens when you when you walk with an eternal perspective. This is what happens when you break through the crowd through the clouds and you're not you're not in grey London but you're you know, looking at the blue sky. So as Christians we need to have that different perspective. Um and I really thought I was gonna go much longer than this. I'm gonna close up in about five minutes, but the word that we received is is actually so heavy. I don't want us to, you know, go forth back and, you know, fellowship with tea and biscuits but for this moment of time I want us to really sit down and in worship in, in, in prayer has the word exposed us has, has it caused us to repent has it caused us to really cross examine our lives and say you know what Lord I have failed I have failed at this I have failed at um, Colossians 3.1 of, of setting my mind above on heavenly things of, of, of seeking the things above I have I have I have forsaken you I have I have tuned up a, a broken system on my own. I have placed hopes in things that are not you. I have gained my identity in things that are, are not you. You know? So, I'm not passing judgment on anyone. I'm saying to search your heart. The Bible tells us that the heart is wicked and deceitful. And I told you, the, the scary thing about that verse is that we can, we can fool ourselves to, do, to be doing Christian activities and duties, but be still walking in that state of mind where we've forsaken him. We've seen it in Revelation when um, the angel talks to the, uh, the, the church of Ephesians. If you read it in Revelations 2, they've, they've done so much, so much things. Let's actually go there so we can read it out. Um, Revelations chapter 2 is the last, last book in the Bible. Um, are you all there? Okay. To the angel of the church in, the, in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toils, and your patience endures, and how, can, and, how, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and, are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the, f the love that you first had. 
Remember therefore from where you fallen, repent and do the works which you did at first. See, angels tend here that if the Ephesian church, they're carrying out Christian duties, they're even bearing fruit of patience. They're bearing fruit of patience. But if they have one, he, um, the, the Lord has this one thing against them, they've forgotten their first love. They've turned away from him. They've made him a secondary thing. He, he's not the primary goal. So, you know, we've got worked up in all these Christian activities and duties, and, you know, God, God is not the focus no more. So, I'm asking you as brothers and sisters that we need to humbly come before his throne. And that's why I asked, asked him that he would... He wouldn't go so long with the worship so we could worship at the end and we could respond to the word that's just just been given in the sense that we're now worshipping and, and, and coming before God, repenting and turning away. It, it, says, it tells us that it's, 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 we repent from his goodness. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance and his word is good. Praise God for, praise God for conviction. You know, praise God for conviction. That's another good sign that, to show you that you, you've been raised. You know, that your conscience is not, your conscience is not shared. If you read, if you read throughout Romans one, it's very heavily on 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 the people that's been had a sincere conscience. So, as, as as brothers and sisters in, in Christ, I'm asking you that as we go into worship, to to really come before God and, and ask Him to search your heart, ask Him to search, or ask Him ask Him to, to 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 give you a fervent spirit that you would you would ever so seek Him passionately. And that not just seeking him, but you would, you would permanently set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. And to do that, you, we need scripture, we need prayer, we need rest, we need to meditate in his word daily. So, I thought I was going to go longer than this, but I don't want to waffle. I think I've got my message across. So again, the questions that I want you to really register. Are you raised up with Christ? If so, is there a seriousness in you about the things of God? Are you keeping your mind set on things above? Are you seeking the things above where Christ is? If so, how are you going about that? So I'm going to call up our, our brother Tim to, to come up and, and lead us into worship again. And I just really want us to reflect upon the questions that I've asked and the message, the message that I've, I've proposed and put forward to you.